You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. He got serious about faith and about walking with God. And he walked with God after he had his first child for 300 years. You ain't going to walk that long, neither am I. Not here anyway. So he speaks to us of righteousness and living righteously in an unrighteous world. He speaks to us, thank God, of rapture. He speaks to us of responsibility, getting serious in life, and really getting right with God. Can you imagine walking with God in this world for 300 years? As Pastor Danny continues our study in the book of Hebrews in today's message, he'll draw our attention back to the story of Enoch. This man of God, the father of Methuselah, was so faithful and holy in God's sight that he was spared death and taken right to heaven. He lived in a world that was quickly descending into a state of wickedness, so bad that it required global judgment by flood. Yet he stood steadfast in his faith. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of The Living Word. Hebrews chapter 11, find the place, and uh, another reminder, we are at a snail's pace going through Hebrews 11, and I don't apologize for that. Verse 5 is where we are. We may be in Hebrews 11 until Jesus comes. (laughs) That would be fine with me. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch offered... Uh, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, excuse me, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. (laughs) What a way to go. (laughs) Anybody want to go that way? Yeah. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And it would be appropriate to read verse 6 along with that. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. One verse here about Enoch. By faith, he was taken from this life. He did not experience death. Only one other person we know of, and that was uh, Elijah. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind uh, with chariots uh, and horses of fire, angelic. Uh, You must know, angelic. And so the only two people we know recorded in the Bible that have never died are Elijah and Enoch, and some believe they are the two witnesses that come back, Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. But that's not the message today. Enoch. What else do we know about him? Well, leave Hebrews, turn to the right. You'll be able to find it next to the last book, letter in your Bible, just before the book of Revelation, this little one-page letter, Jude. Turn and look just briefly at Jude. 
Jude is writing about godless men, godless men, some religious godless men. And here's what he says beginning in verse 14. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, that's significant, we'll come back. The seventh from Adam prophesied about these men, these godless men. And he quotes Enoch, see, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they've done in the ungodly way and all the heart's words ungodly sinners have spoken against him, unquote. He quotes Enoch, which tells us something about Enoch. He was a preacher and he preached, judgment is coming and if you don't repent, if you don't repent, one day you'll face God's wrath. He was a preacher. How did Jude know Enoch said that? Well, just a little note. It's called the pseudepigrapha. Just a big word made up of a couple of words. And when put together, it means with false title inscribed. With false title inscribed. Pseudepigrapha includes a collection of books that were written by pious Jews in the land of Palestine over years, some who lived in Egypt, and these pious Jews wrote these books, and one of the things they wrote about uh, were, was the condition of their people having strayed from God. That's what a lot of the books are about. Some of the books of the Pseudepigrapha are the Book of Jubilees, the Book of Eden, Fourth Ezra, Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. There's even one book called the Book of Enoch. The pseudepigrapha contains some historical things that we can learn from, but none of them were included in the Hebrew Bible, so they're not holy writ. Nevertheless, we can learn some things from them like Jude, verse 14 and 15, Enoch. We know from the pseudepigrapha, <laughs> Enoch was a preacher and he preached to his world. Now, one more place You'll be able to find this one. Turn all the way to the left in your Bible. First book of the Bible, the book of Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And when you find the chapter, go down to verse 18. Verse 18. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Just a little note, if you live over 800 years, you can have a lot of kids. <laughs> Altogether, Jared lived 962 years and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Notice verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. You read through the list, and it goes, this guy, and he died, and he lived this long, and he died. But Enoch, again, he's walking along one day. <laughs> he's gone. I love this little story I picked up years ago. Uh, it goes like this. A little girl was asked by her mother what she learned in Sunday school that day. And her daughter said the teacher talked about this man named Enoch. Well, tell me about Enoch, said the mom. So the girl told her mother this story. Enoch lived a long time ago, and God would come by every day and say to him, Enoch, would you like to take a walk with me? Enoch would say, yes, I'd like to take a walk with you, God. And so every day God would come by Enoch's house, and Enoch would go walking with God. One day God came by and said, Enoch, let's take a long walk today. So they started out. Enoch got his coat, even packed a lunch. 
and they started walking. They walked and they walked and they walked and finally it got late. Enoch said, God, it's really getting late and I'm a long way from home. Maybe we'd better start back. And God said, Enoch, you're closer to my home than you are to your home. So you come on and go home with me. And so mom, Enoch went home with God. Again, what a way to go. I don't know if for you, but for me, the Star Trek image of, you know, beam me up, Scotty, comes into my mind. And I don't know if Enoch kind of fizzled out and fizzled up or if he just disappeared, but he didn't die. He's just walking one day and he's walking with God. And then God said, you know what? Why don't you just come on home? I think Enoch speaks to us in several ways. And we're going to camp out at the end in one particular way for just a few minutes. But let me just share what I think scripturally Enoch speaks to us about. He was a preacher, and he preached for 300 years. We know that. We know that from Jude. We know that when we put it with the scriptural account in Genesis here. And uh, you'll appreciate Enoch even more when you understand the type of world that he lived in. If you continue in reading the account, you get to chapter 6 in Genesis verse 4. Here's what it says. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward... When the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. Trust me, when you look at the accounts of the men referred to in chapter 6, verse 4, they're giants, the Nephilim, but they are godless giants. They would give birth one day to a Goliath giant, a Philistine, an enemy of God. They were godless giants, the Nephilim. When the children of Israel came into the, uh, the, the promised land and Moses sent the 12 spies to explore the land, spies came back and they said, hey, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, just like God said, but the Nephilim are there, the giants, godless giants. That's the day Enoch lived a preacher of righteousness, a man who walked with God, and yet he walked in a world where there were godless giants that he would have to face. You keep on reading. Verse 5, Genesis 6, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Evil abounded. Wickedness everywhere. You read on in the story... Um, God would send a guy named Noah, Noah to build a big ark because God is going to destroy the world because of the inclination of man's heart, evil only all the time. And so God said, we got to put a stop to this. We got to get a new start. But listen, any of you who will repent and get into the ark, you can be saved. Unfortunately, only eight people got in the ark. You read the account, and by the time Noah comes along, Noah also, according to Peter, 2 Peter 2.5, was a preacher of righteousness. And in Noah's day, God finally set a date, a time, when the world of that day would end, when the wrath of God would be poured out. You read about it in Genesis uh, chapter 6, verse 3. My spirit will not always contend with man, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. 120 years. And those final 120 years, Noah building an ark and preaching. Judgment is coming, but you can be saved. <laughs> What's the point? The days of Enoch, the days of Noah, they were tough days to live. Wickedness abounded. There were godless giants in the land. 
And if you were going to live and walk with God and be a preacher and a person of righteousness, it was going to be tough. And that's one of the things Enoch speaks to us about, and that is living righteously in an unrighteous world. And it is possible. It's a challenge. It's a challenge, but it is possible. He was a preacher of righteousness and one who walked with God in a very ungodly society. But the second one is a little more positive. (laughs) Boy, no question, Enoch, listen, he speaks to us not only of righteousness and living righteously in an unrighteous world, but he speaks to us of rapture, rapture. It's a word we use for something that's going to happen, I hope soon. It's called the rapture of the church. The word is not in the Bible, but it's a word that means a snatching away. And that's what the words mean when you read about the rapture. For example, 1 Thessalonians, when Paul writes about the rapture and he says, the day is coming when we will not all sleep, but we'll be caught up with the Lord. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those of us who are alive. Wow, that's cool. Some of us may, may have the privilege of experiencing the rapture of the church. Listen, we're living in a generation when you look at the signs of the second coming of Christ, we could indeed be the generation that experiences the translation, (laughs) the being caught up. Oh, Lord, come quickly. (laughs) Rapture. It's going to happen one day. And thank God, because God prophesied, just as he did in Noah's day and Enoch's day, judgment is coming, and those who choose not to repent will one day be damned, but you don't have to be. You don't have to be. And God sent the flood in Noah's day. He sends fire in the final end. But he says the same. There's hope. If you'll just repent, if you'll just turn to me, And Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, and he says, listen, after he talks about the snatching away and we'll be with the Lord forever, he says about times and dates, we don't need to write to you because you know the coming of the Lord. He'll come like a thief. And he talks about the wrath of God that'll come. But then he says, but God has not appointed us to suffer wrath. Can you say, praise the Lord? (laughs) Praise the Lord. We'll be caught up. We won't experience the wrath of God. Enoch. The seventh from Adam. I said I'd come back to that. The seventh from Adam. Why did the Holy Spirit tell us that? Because seven speaks of completion or fulfillment. If you read the book of Revelation, it's seven, 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 seven everywhere. And I think Enoch, the seventh from Adam, translated. Even early on, the book of Genesis, God told us through the life and the translation of Enoch about the rapture of his church one day. But not just righteousness, not just rapture, but I got to say this one because it's in the text. Responsibility. And a particular type of responsibility and a particular motivation. If you read again carefully Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Methuselah, oldest... uh, person we know of, he lived 969 years. Enoch was his, was his dad. Enoch was 65 years old. He, gives, he has a child, Methuselah. It's his first child. And after he became the father of Methuselah, here's what the text says, Enoch walked with God 300 years. You have to conclude. You have to conclude. 
He wasn't walking with God for the first 65 years of his life. It was only after he had his first child. And that was a pivotal point in his life. And I'm not going to spend time on this one, but I think the Holy Spirit has something to say at this particular point. Listen. Mom, dad, I don't know if you had your first child. I don't know if you got a string of uh, children, but maybe the Lord's saying, and I know he's saying to some parent, some parents this morning, isn't it about time that you got serious and started walking with God? If not only for your own sake, for your child's sake. 65 years. Then he had his first child, and at that point, he got serious about faith and about walking with God. And he walked with God after he had his first child for 300 years. You ain't going to walk that long, neither am I. Not here anyway. So he speaks to us of righteousness and living righteously in an unrighteous world. He speaks to us, thank God, of rapture. He speaks to us of responsibility, getting serious in life. And really getting right with God. But fourth, Enoch speaks to us about relationship. And specifically relationship with God. He walked with God. The Hebrew word for walking with God has the idea of an intimacy. Noah, Genesis 6, 9, also walked with God. Other men and women in the Bible, it says they walked with God. What an amazing thing. But he walked with God by faith, by faith, by faith. I've never seen Jesus Christ. I will see him one day, but I've never seen him up to this point. But I believe in him, and I know he's real, and I know he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, all right? I've never seen God. I will see him one day. But right now, I'm walking with God by faith, by faith, by faith. And what a privilege to be able to walk with God. Now, we could spend a lot more time on this, but um, I've tried to... I, I tried to put it down in a way that the Holy Spirit helped me with, uh, in a way that we can really get it. What's required to be able to walk with God? That's the bottom line question here. What is required, biblically, uh, to be able to walk with God? First one's interesting, but think about it with me now. First of all, it starts with a realization that God is watching my every step. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm God Almighty, walk before me. And be blameless. You get to Genesis 24, uh, Abraham sends his servant to get a wife for his son Isaac. And he says to his servant, uh, the Lord before whom I have walked will go ahead of you and give you success on your mission. And so there's this idea that I know as I'm walking in this world, God is watching my every step. And that's important. And that's really a starting point uh, to begin to walk with God. Uh, Ephesians 5.15, the King James Version says it this way. We're to, walk, we're to walk circumspectly. It means like you're walking in a circle. You realize eyes are watching you. Now, the second point here is very important with the first one because I hope everybody here and everybody that would ever hear this realizes God is watching whether you believe in him or not, whether you know him or not, whether you're a Christian or not, God is watching, all right? But you know, some people don't care that God's watching. So the second one, if I'm going to walk with God, the second uh, requirement, very important, I have to have a desire to please God in my walk. Because if I don't have that, I could care less if God's watching. I'm going to walk how I want to walk. I'm just going to do what I want to do. 
Amos 3, verse 3, interesting uh, verse. Here's what it says. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? That's what it takes to walk with God. A realization he's watching me, I'm to walk before him, and then because I know he's watching my every step, I want to take steps that are pleasing to him. Okay? Here's the third requirement. I have to discover what pleases God. Where does he like to go? Where does he like to hang out? What does he like to do? Discovering what pleases God. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. In discovering what pleases God, here's one of the things I've discovered, and it's clear in the Bible. God does not walk in darkness. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Psalm 89, 15. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, God, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. 1 John 1, 7. This is a great one. This puts it right there, right there where everybody can understand it. God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, you might want to turn just briefly to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just going to read one section of it, not all those verses I have up there on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, of course, joking. It's amazing to me uh, how my conversation, my talk has changed since I became a Christian. Now, I still have bumps in the road. I hope you understand that, you know. I'm not perfect in my conversation, but my talk now is totally different than it was before I gave my life to Christ. You know, I, I was cussing like a sailor, you know, and just foul language, you know, and now it's just amazing how God has cleaned up my tongue. But these are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, you could sum all these up and other scriptures that relate to this as the old life, the old life. That's the Mother Fletcher's, okay? Read on. Verse 7, therefore, do not be partners with them. You could translate that another way. Don't walk with them. Doesn't mean you don't have unchristian friends, non-Christian friends. Obviously, we live in the world. We want to reach out to the world. But those aren't the people that are your closest friends. They're not the people that you're really hanging out with and that you do things together in common. Okay? That's your old life. Read on. Verse 8, for you were once darkness. But now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. God doesn't walk in darkness. If I'm living in sexual sin, I'm not walking with God. If I'm living with a foul mouth, that's my conversation. I'm not walking with God. It's the old life. It's the old man. Okay. Now, God provides direction through his word. I, I so thank God. Don't you thank God that he gave us this book? I mean, he gave us this book. Uh, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, sit in the seat of mockers, uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
Uh, you could put that up against uh, verses like where Paul says in Corinthians, bad company corrupts good character. Again, you don't make your closest pals and people you're doing things in common with those people that you were with before you knew Christ. The book of Hebrews contains a unique passage that's often referred to as the Hall of Faith. This section gives you a synopsis of people who followed their creator without knowing the end result or with having each step laid out for them. These icons of trust were definitely not without flaw. Their journeys weren't free from trials and tribulations either, but they came back to their faithful Heavenly Father time and time again, trusting that He would fulfill His promises. God used these ordinary men and women to accomplish great things in their time and to set in motion kingdom work that would continue to change lives for countless generations to come. We're so glad that you joined us today to study the book of Hebrews with Pastor Danny Hodges here on The Living Word. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the books of the Bible, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today, or if you'd like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that's info at ccfstpete.church. We count it as a privilege to lift our valued listeners up to the Lord in prayer. That's all we have time for today in our study of Hebrews. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into Scripture right here on The Living Word.